When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Well, let's go. It's time for the Sooner Sports Podcast, along with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. We call our early week edition the game plan now. To be clear, the game plan is, oh, look at Michael Cord coming into the last minute to fix the camera. Let's go. Um, Toby, this is not our last game plan. We continue to do this on the Sooner Sports Podcast platform consistently. Please go subscribe if you haven't already at Soonersports.com slash podcast or um, uh, Apple or iHeartRadio or Spotify. However you consume podcasts, we have you covered. Simply search Sooner Sports Podcast. But I believe this is our last Facebook Live version of the Sooner Sports Podcast. And what a you couldn't ask for a better week, right? Recruiting, Big 12 championship, a lot of basketball going on. Let's go. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, but we keep game planning. That's Even right. when football season's over, we, we game stop. plan basketball, we game plan softball, baseball. Don't give up on us. Never. Never. And I, I should add a couple of cool things, by the way, on the podcast. There is some dude that is roasting me in the comments because of classic games. Now, listen, we've huh. got games going on now. We've got games going on now. Right. So we'll get to the classic games in the summer more. And we're Yeah, it's interesting because trying to, to kind of dig into our library of, of old football broadcast, uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Pre-2000, right. we haven't really had much. You know, it's, you're kind of counting on, counting on guys like the late great Bob Barry and John Brooks having kept their own libraries. Right. But from about 2000 on, we're good. So we'll continue to add to that. And I should mention, Toby, for basketball fans, your post game with Kevin Henry, every single game we bring that to you live on the podcast platform. So we stay rolling through basketball. Game planning, as you said, doesn't there you stop. There you go. Neither does tailgating. You ready for Saturday? I'm very excited to see Oklahoma. It's fourth straight Big 12 championship game. Looking for a sixth straight Big 12 championship. I'm ready. I'm excited about it being a Big 12 championship game. That in and of itself is a lot of fun. But 
I mean, we've only had one OU football game in about a month That's by right. the time we get to the gate on Saturday morning. So, you know, I'm itching to actually call a game. That Baylor game is the only one we've had in about a four in a four-week span by the time Saturday rolls around. So I'm excited to see this team. I'm a little concerned, I think rightfully so, about that fact. You know, I hope they're in a good flow, especially offensively. We saw after they had a week off, they looked a little sluggish against Baylor. And now we've had another week off here. So I hope that all of this time off hasn't taken them out of the rhythm because you look at that stretch there uh, after the Texas game, the four overtime win, got better against TCU, got better against Texas Tech, got better against Kansas, Got was the best performance they've had this year against Oklahoma State. So looking forward to see just exactly what shape, I don't mean physical shape, just uh, how they're playing Saturday when Lincoln Riley's team rolls in. By the way, uh, you mentioned it was a bye week before the Oklahoma State game. Then that was supposed to be the West Virginia game. So you ended up with two bye weeks in three, or two byes in three weeks. Then you played the Baylor game. You got another bye. So what has it been? Uh, two bye weeks in the last five weeks, or excuse me, three. two games in the last five weeks. That's yeah, right. yeah, uh, unreal. Here's a look at what Iowa State has done this year. Of course, they had that challenging start to the season where they lost to Louisiana. And then they've been fantastic ever since. Against Oklahoma State, they struggled turning the football over. That's a completely different game. I mean, what a run that Matt Campbell's team has been on. And Lincoln Riley just said it moments ago in his press conference, hey, this isn't, this isn't a bunch of Rudies. This is a really yeah. good football team. Especially the closing kick there. I mean, I don't think any of us expected them to shut out Kansas State 45-0. Then they go to Austin and win that thriller. Then they absolutely pasted. West Virginia as well. So they come in hot. There's a look at the comparison for those of you with us on Facebook Live. Got questions, comments, drop them, please. Uh, very similar in a lot of aspects. Now, that rush offense, and we'll get into this, Brees Hall is a candidate for the Doak Walker Award and maybe even the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year with what he's done so far. But I'm sorry, T. Rowe, I can't help but notice that very last column, and that's turnover margin. Where Oklahoma was after their game against Iowa State, right. to see it plus one right now, it's a credit to the protection of the football from Spencer Rattler, and it's a credit to this Alex Grinch defense going out and getting turnovers. That's exactly right. You know, that was a big story early in the year is you're emphasizing takeaways. Why can't you get them? And that storyline has gone away because they've been very good in that uh, in that category. Yep. Uh, I, when you compare these two teams, Iowa State's been better running the ball with Brees Hall. Oklahoma's had a more powerful passing attack. Defensively, the numbers are, are almost identical between these two teams. And Lincoln was right. This is not a Rudy story. There are not just good players in Iowa State's uniforms. They got some NFL talent over there. I mean, Brees Hall's big time. Brock Purdy, Charlie Kohler's going to play in the league. Defensively, Jaquan Bailey, Greg Eisworth, Mike Rose, Will McDonald. I mean, they got some dudes. They've got some, they've got some dudes that have been on your spotter boards for a while, too, so Long you don't really time, have to yeah. change that much. Veteran how, team. How about Brees Hall? You know, when David Montgomery left early, let's rewind a little bit. David Montgomery was the running back whenever Iowa State came in here and upset Baker and, and oh, you had the big game. He's not playing with the Chicago Bears. Hakeem Butler was their wide receiver. A lot of people thought, oh, no, talent-wise, they're not going to be able to replace these guys. But, oh, my, what Brees Hall has been. Again, 17 touchdowns, almost 1,400 yards, but 6.1 yards per carry, T-Row. He's smooth. 
He's got good size. He's got more speed than you realize because of how smooth he runs. Um, just difficult, and he's got a really good offensive line in front of him that's opening up holes. He went for a bunch of yards, uh, what, 140, I think, against OU up in Ames. I think that's the key matchup Saturday in this game going in for me is Brees Hall versus Ramondre Stevenson. That, or, or I should say Ramondre Stevenson slash TJ Pledger. <laughs> yep. That needs to be a push for Oklahoma. At, at worst, it needs to be a push. If OU can, can run the ball as effectively as Brees Hall runs the ball on Saturday, they win this football game. Because I think they're going to have more success through the air than Iowa State has. There's that comparison that you talked about. Ram, bam, Ramondre Stevenson. 5.9 yards per carry, 6.1 for a haul. We've seen, you know, it's interesting. we've talked to Ramondre quite a bit in our post games. And I think even Craig Moran, correct me if I'm wrong, but even during our Monday pressers, we've had him on. And he hasn't, he's more elusive this year, Toby. I haven't really been able to put my finger on it. I think we've talked about it quite a bit, but uh, that's a big difference in having him in that backfield whenever these teams meet on Saturday as opposed to him not being there. And, boy, what a wild stat. He only carried the ball one time last year whenever they came to Norman. That's wild. I, I think this is big, and, you know, this is where that you wish maybe there was a game last week that could have been played against West Virginia because, Toby, that offense kind of struggled a little yeah. bit to get that ground game going against Baylor two weeks ago. No, that's right, uh, and... There are a lot of differences between the Oklahoma team now and the one that went up to Ames earlier this year. That's a big one. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson and the running game was not churning like it is now, or at least it was before the Baylor game. That's what gives you a little concern going in because they were running the ball so well, and then the Baylor came, came along, and it made you scratch your head a little bit. So they're going to they're gonna have to get back to running the ball and having success, and especially late in the game, if you got a lead, the ability to put it away. There are more differences than that, though. I think Spencer Rattler is a much more poised, Agreed. Um, level-headed quarterback now than he was early in the year. He's taking care of the football better. First time they played Iowa State, that was pre-getting benched against Texas. That was that <laughs> part of the season. Since then, he's been exceptional. And defensively, I think it's night and day compared to what they were early in the year. Here's, here's some of... Uh, Rattler, look, look at the calm with which he faces pressure. Okay, pockets building in on him. Just backpedal a little bit. Scramble right. I'm going to tuck this one. I watched this highlight reel during the Lincoln Riley press conference today, and it's fun. Look at the pockets closing in. He finds a man. There's no panic. His feet don't start to pitter-patter at all. He's just looking like a mature quarterback. There's uh, Gets flushed out to the right. Nothing there. Protect the ball. Head up. Come back left. Still looking downfield. There's a touchdown. Theo Weiss. So, and then the other thing is the defense. Ronnie Perkins is back. He was not there for game one. The pass rush now is not what it was in game one. It's much better. The secondary is playing better than it did early on. So I think Oklahoma can uh, take comfort in the fact that, yeah, they got beat by him the first time around, but they're a better football team right now than they were back then. I agree. Uh, can I correct? I mean, since we had to correct a graphic earlier, Toby, I do need to correct you here, and I'm sorry to do this. But Ronnie Perkins was there. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I'm Cheerleading. That's Cheerleading, right. Cheerleading, that's right. That's the game we thought he might play, and he didn't. Yeah, you're right. That was one of my favorite moments of the season was the, the social media explosion beforehand and then seeing him. You didn't know if he was going to come out of the locker room and be in his uniform, and unfortunately he didn't. But 
You're 100% right, man. He he has made a big-time difference for this defense, who, you know, we're watching the highlights now against Baylor. There was just, there was nothing there for Baylor. I mean, nothing all game long. Trey Norwood, who we talked to in the in the press conference show, and you guys will hear it on the podcast coming up on Thursday. Uh, him being able to practice, you know, what, what did he bring up in our post-game show before Baylor? That he only got to practice on Friday yeah. because of contact tracing? I mean, this... This defense, Alex Grinch, they're they're changing the perception of, of Oklahoma defense, and they're doing it with uh, with athleticism, speed, sure tackling, big time plays. It's a different defense than the one we saw back in early September. And so so good to see Trey having success too. Yeah. After everything he's been through, and uh, early in the year, did not get the playing time that he was hoping for because Ooh. of how frustrating the you know the preseason was for him, having to miss so much practice. Boy, when he's been able to be out there this year, he's made plays. Three interceptions now, that leads the team. And a fine young man who has just stuck with it. And I think he's going to have a big role. I, do you know, too. I don't know what the game plan is against the tight ends, specifically Kloler, but they got a couple that are really good. But, you know, size was a problem for OU in Ames. Uh, Iowa State would get down around the red zone and just throw it up. And... Trey Norwood has a chance to at least maybe be one of the answers to that. He's bigger than a couple of those guys they were trying to defend the tight ends with earlier. So we'll see. I have no idea what the game plan is, but it makes sense that maybe Trey Norwood will be involved. Or, or Robert Barnes, who we saw yeah. back there at safety a little bit, maybe. has that size. I think he could play a, a major part. All right, you guys are blowing it up on Facebook. We love it. A lot of confidence in your score predictions, which is great. But I, I did want to hit this from Gary before we dive into – some of the, the, the notes as far as the, the Sooners' history in the Big 12 and obviously what Lincoln Rally has done. But Gary Cottrell writes, we need to win by 40 to have a chance at the playoffs. I just want to win. But I think that path to the playoffs, and Teddy Lehman vehemently disagrees with me on this, and I know that this is very much cart before a horse. I don't think it's as tough. It's tough. Don't get me wrong. You uh -huh. need some help. But I don't think it's as crazy as some people lay out. Florida's already lost, so they're out of it. Iowa State's going to move up to six tonight. So you beat the sixth-ranked team, and we'll see what happens with A&M. And, kind of and Cincinnati's still got to play Tulsa. I'm telling you what, t -Rod, I don't think it's as crazy to be sitting here next Sunday and thinking, oh, my gosh, they have a shot to get in. What, well, lay out for me what has to happen. We do need A&M to lose. Now, I don't think that's going to happen to A&M this At weekend. At Tennessee this week. At Tennessee this weekend. Jimmy Pruitt's job is on the line. There's been a lot of buzz about that. Maybe there's a rally of the troops. I think AM needs to lose. I think both Notre Dame and Alabama. Now, Alabama even losing, I think they're in. But Notre Dame has to beat Clemson because I think if Notre Dame beats Clemson, they're out. So AM has to lose. And then I think Cincinnati and Tulsa have to play a tight game. And you got to win. I, I think they're going to get in over Georgia. I think they're going to get in over in Indiana. I'm telling you right now, this isn't as crazy as we might have thought, say, a couple of weeks ago, but they do need some help. It's like my yeah. beloved Las Vegas Raiders in their playoff push. It, it, they yeah. need some help. It's going to be tough. You know, there are some elements there. Each on its own, you say, yeah, maybe that could happen. Maybe Cincinnati could lose to Tulsa. Maybe Texas A&M just absolutely lays an egg and, and the pressure gets the best of them and they lose to Tennessee. Maybe Notre Dame can beat Clemson again with Trevor Lawrence. But when you add it all up, it's tough. It's going to be tough. I, I think that, you know, the most likely scenario is win and you get your sixth straight Big 12 title and you're going to the Cotton Bowl 
and it's probably going to be a really handsome matchup there. Uh, maybe Texas A&M, Chris, if they're not in the playoff, maybe a Georgia. Possible. Huh? I maybe. think that's possible. Yeah. Uh, and if you lose the Big 12 championship game, then I think you're probably looking at the Alamo Bowl, which OU's never been in the Alamo Bowl, which is a little surprising considering how long that bowl has been associated with the Big 12. Fine city. I love San Antonio. But I think that's the most likely scenario. But again, I'm telling you, Toby, I think that there could be an all-hands-on-deck meeting on Sunday where they're like, we got to do a show. Moran's calling you, Toby, right. what's your plans? you got to get in here. we got to do a show. There's a chance for this thing. It, it, so you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> Boy, what, a, what a run this has been for the Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12, Toby. Looking for a, a sixth straight championship. Fourth straight trip since the return of the Big 12 championship game with a fourth different opponent, TCU, Texas, Baylor, and now Iowa State. I just, I mean, I think it just shows the strength that uh, Lincoln Riley has been able to show in continuing what Bob Stoops had built. And look at that. I mean, the only time they've lost the Big 12 championship game was back in 2003 to Kansas State, and they still went to the national championship game that year. It's unbelievable. It is, it is utter dominance, yeah, what they have done in this league. And I think if you add it all up, there's eight different teams they have played in a Big 12 championship game. Four different the last four years, as you laid out, since the return of the game in 2017. And they have been right there to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and take on all comers. And a lot of those were lopsided wins. I mean, yeah. you look back at the win over Colorado uh, twice, both those wins. Nebraska in 2006 they handled, Missouri in 07 they handled, and in 08. Uh, TCU in 2017 was lopsided. Now, the last two have been humdingers. I mean, yeah. that Texas game was a lot of fun. You had the big Calcaterra catch late and the safety by Trey Brown. And, and last year's game, of course, goes to overtime before they get by Baylor. But uh, Oklahoma's been the bully of the block in the Big 12, and they're, and they're trying to keep it going. And there was a lot of people who thought when they started 0-2 this year, well, at least somebody else is going to win. Right. Besides Oklahoma, and maybe it'll still happen, but uh, the Sooners have something to say about it at least. And Lincoln Riley, I mean, what a job he's done. Hey, let, we, we can focus specifically on this year, Toby. You start out 0-2 in conference play. This could be history if the Sooners win on Saturday because there hasn't been a team in Oklahoma Sooner football history who has lost his first two games and still won a conference championship. That's unbelievable. He's done a great job, especially this year when you get off to the kind of start they did with all of the other things that, that are going on for kids right now, for young men right now, uh, it would have been easy to lose the team or uh, for guys to get a little more individualistic, but they didn't. They came together and they just played better and better football as the year went along. I know we're, we're running short on time. Jessica Cootie has already rolled in the studio. She's, she's got her link up 21 gear on. Did you, did you see this? Did you get yours, Toby? I haven't Look. gotten any free gear. Look at that. Link up that? 21. Is that, a, is that a hoodie? Yeah, big time. Getting ready for signing day tomorrow. Fantastic. Okay. So, she deserves it. She, did you see the uh, game the other day? I, I did. I did. I watched the History. entire men's basketball game. History. And she yeah. got to call a dunk. It was great. It was fantastic. All right, listen, two things before we get out of here. Number one, 9 a.m. pregame show, 11 o'clock kick for Oklahoma and Iowa State. T-Roy, got to slow down Brees Hall. Sooners got to get their running game going, have to get their running game going. But you know what? I'm kind of excited to see if they maybe open it up, too. John Hecock has yeah. that eight-man drop that they do, that umbrella defense. But, you know, maybe that opens up something underneath for 
a Jaden Hazelwood to have a big day on Saturday. May, I don't know what Austin Stogner's status is. I know a lot of people are asking about Trajan Bridges. We don't know. We'll find out whenever they step onto the field on Saturday. But maybe a chance for Spencer Rattler to hit some big plays. Maybe so. Sooners weren't afraid to take some big shots against him in Ames. You think back in the matchups the last few years, um, even against the, the eight-man defense, they have tried to stretch that and taken some shots downfield. So I think you may be onto something there. And then you think back to the Big 12 championship games in Arlington the last three years, there have been defining defensive plays in those games. Every one of them. Scoop and score right off the bat, set the tone against TCU. There was the safety, of course, from Trey Brown against Texas. That might have been the biggest play in that game. He also, in the Baylor game, ran down nice. Chris Platt and that last defensive stand in overtime to get the win. So you're going to have to make a play on defense, not just play good defense, not just limit Brees Hall. They're going to have to make some plays on defense, a pick six, a safety, a, uh, a turnover that gives the offense a short field. Maybe it comes in special teams. Maybe it's a block punt. But there's going to have to be a momentum-turning, game-changing play defensively at some point. And our man, and by the way, that was still one of my favorite post-game moments, which I'm going to miss doing post-game interviews on the field if the Sooners can win. When Bob Stoops came running up, grabbed the microphone, said, I never had a doubt he was going to chase him down from behind. <laughs> uh, but our buddy Evan Todd hit us up on Facebook with this really good point. He says, what do we need to do, T-Row, to see the big uh, – what do we need to do to see for the big game on Saturday for the Sooners to get a win? In my opinion, I think that one key is turnovers, which we talked about a little bit earlier. That's key. Got to win the turnover battle. Always uh, turnovers. Teddy will say always special teams. And, and I got my eye on those running backs. I think that Ramondre Stevenson and, T and TJ Pledger have to at least equal what Brees Hall does on Saturday. If OU could win the rushing battle, they win the football game. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and by the way, we can't leave without looking at this graphic, right? Come on. When you put together something with Alex Grinch as the Grinch, let's go. Sooners top five in the nation right now in rush defense, averaging giving up just 88 yards per game. That sacks per game is incredible. Again, when you look back and consider where they were after their first three or four games and total defense, top 20, unbelievable with what they've been able to do this year. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, well done to Craig Moran. <laughs> who? Uh, oh, I didn't even catch the title, How the Grinch Saved Defense. Yeah, no, that's just fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't think Alex is going to like the little pot belly he's got there, but <laughs> other than that, it's fantastic and... They've had a big time year. Uh, they got to get after Brock Purdy. They got to force him to get rid of the ball quickly. They got to force him to make some mistakes. He will make mistakes. Now, he hasn't the last three games of the year. He's played, Brock Purdy's played outstanding down the stretch for Iowa State. But the first half of this season, maybe a little even beyond that, he'll throw it to the wrong team if you get some pressure on him. Got to do that. Well, as we wrap, Toby, we were in a press box in Manhattan. We were doing the show live. Greg Blackwood was trying to tape up a microphone and he tripped and fell. Thus, the nickname Trip was born. He took road trips driving through the night to Tallahassee just to be on the broadcast our first year in 2001 and then driving back after the game while he and Stats Kelly had to pr find premium fuel because that was the only gas that could go in this car. The yeah. man made sacrifices unlike any. He was your right or left-hand guy, and uh, we lost him this week, but he was truly something special. I mean, uh, he's definitely going to be missed by us. Yeah, Greg Blackwood was not just a uh, member of our Sooner Radio crew. He was he was the heart. I mean, he was awesome. He uh, was not just the spotter. He was our utility man. You know, he did everything that was asked. 
He got to the stadium to help set up six hours before a broadcast. He was the last to leave because he wanted to help everybody pack up. He was our photographer, our videographer for our crew. I went back and was looking at all our crew pictures through the last 10 years, and there's hardly any with Greg in it, unfortunately, because he's always the one taking the pictures. Uh, Greg was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this summer and fought it tooth and nail. He went with us this year everywhere we went, to Ames, Iowa, to Lubbock, to Fort Worth, and was a warrior, an absolute warrior. Unfortunately, he passed away on Sunday, and um, it's going to be tough, man. Getting through this game on Saturday without Greg by our side is uh, it's going to be brutally hard, not just Saturday, but for the rest of the time. Greg Blackwood was only 57 years old, and we will miss him tremendously. All right, thanks, Chris. Thanks, everybody. Sorry for, for keeping everybody waiting a little late getting off the uh, the field here. So, uh, but obviously a really exciting week for us. You know, a chance to play in our in our uh, you know fourth straight uh, Big Twelve championship game, which is a, a great accomplishment by our program to be the only team to to be in all of these. Um, you know, when since the Big Twelve brought the championship game back, so we're you know honored to have that chance and have a chance to win our our, our sixth of these in a row, which is a a, a great Great spot to be in, and uh, so we, we know obviously the challenge line in front of us. An Iowa State team that's uh, you know played well all season, certainly been playing very well as of late. Uh, you know, and I think we've we've talked pretty much at length about our respect level for them, uh, their coaching staff, a really strong football team on all three sides of the ball. A lot of really tremendous players, a lot of uh, future NFL players on this roster and on this team right now. Uh, that are you know really played at a high level uh, the majority of the year. So uh, this game is going to be what it should be. It's going to be two really good football teams that have had you know really good years um, going at it, and uh, should should be a lot of fun. We've I think prepared well. It's certainly been different, and uh, you know having only played you know one game and and a long time, uh, but we've we've been pretty aggressive about the way that we've prepared, and I like the the. The way our team has handled the the changes, the difference in schedule, the you know postponing of the game last week, and and having to switch gears midweek, and I think our guys have done a, a really good job, and I know we're certainly very excited to head down to Arlington and play this game. Okay, we'll start with questions with Ryan Aver of the Oklahoman, and then we'll go to Eric Bailey. Ryan. Yeah, Lincoln, when you look at uh, that game October 3rd versus now in the secondary, uh, how do you feel like or, or do you feel like your, your uh, secondary is better prepared now to handle some of the challenges that, that Iowa State presents uh, versus uh, a couple months ago? You know, I, I think we, we've improved a lot as a football team. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. The secondary is not any different there. Uh, I think we're – you know, playing with more bodies, um, I think the guys that you know we're playing have have all improved as players. I think we've improved as a unit. So you know we're we're being very careful about trying to tie too much back to that first game, positive or negative. Um, you know, it's a long time ago. Uh, different setting, different teams are different, personnel's different. I mean, everything's different. So you know, this will this will be its own game. Uh, the challenges that. 
that Iowa State presents are obviously still there, uh, still got good players, and they've developed too uh, as the years went on uh, from watching them and having a chance to study them on tape. So, uh, but I, no, I'm confident in our guys. Uh, we, we've we've improved across the board. Our secondary's improved, and uh, but you know we'll get a great chance to to prove it here against a, a very good group. Appreciate it, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Eric Bailey, Tulsa World, and then Joe Bettner. Lincoln, it's rare for us to talk to you the day before signing day. You've had several commitments for some time, but is there still a sense of celebration and or relief when you get that signature finally on signing day? Can you kind of describe what that's like for you as a head coach? Uh, I would say more excitement. Most players, I wouldn't describe it as relief. I mean, the majority of guys, you you kind of know what you're getting. And uh, so that's uh, – you know, I hadn't that, we've had a few surprises here and there, and th- those always go both ways. Uh, but I would say the majority of guys, it's just excitement. It's kind of that next step, and you've known that it's coming for a while and, and very exciting to see. Th- this year's certainly been unique in that. I mean, we were talking to all of our, you know, future signees and their parents last night via Zoom, and, and it's uh, yeah, it's hard to believe. I hadn't seen these guys' faces in so long, and, you know, now they're now they're signing tomorrow. And, and I think the, it'll be interesting, I think, as we watch across the country, just the, you know, how, how teams approach this because, you know, so, just so much has changed. I mean, you, you haven't been able to go out and evaluate these guys in a long, long time, uh, you know, you know, getting close to a year now. Um, you've got, you know, the transfer portal open, which is going nuts. Uh, you've got the prospect of immediate eligibility coming up. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I could see a lot of people signing. It, it's be interesting what people do. I don't want to speculate too much right now, but there's schools are going to have more options after signing day than they've ever had. And so it'll be just interesting to see, you know, how everybody fills the rosters and everybody approaches it because, you know, like normally in a year like this, you might have two or three guys at the end that, maybe haven't committed or, or maybe that have popped up your recruiting as of late and you've signed. And we've been no different than a lot of people in that way. You know, maybe you may not see as much of that this year. Again, just with not having a chance to go out and evaluate guys. Um, some of the guys that popped up late, it's, you know, you're having to make decisions totally based on, even with some guys, guys you've never even met, which is, I know it's hard for a player to, you know, as far as maybe schools they haven't seen or had the chance to build a relationship with. And then it's hard for, you know, us on the other side and that, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're making decisions for the future of our program. And it's difficult to do that with, with people you've never seen maybe play live or never met or, or all that as well. So it's a, it'll be a, an interesting signing day and, and next couple of months after for sure. Thank you, Lincoln. Go to Joe Bettner, Norman Transcript, and then Jason Kersey. Uh, Lincoln, you've talked so much about, you know, just accepting the, the situations that you guys have dealt and not having, you know, just having one game in the past month, I would assume that's still difficult to manage. And what has maybe helped you keep that kind of just, you know, approach as far as, you know, accepting the situation, but also it just seems like something that would be difficult to manage as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's why I get paid. I mean, that's, that's my job and, and uh, you just got to find a way to do it. Uh, This team and the staff has made it, you know, has made it not just, uh, you know, they've not just made it easier, but they've made it fun. And uh, we, we found a way. We've we've changed up our practice schedule quite a bit. We've done some different things to, 
challenge our guys in different ways to, to kind of freshen it up, you know, because just going there and just practicing every single day. I mean, at this point of the season, I mean, it's great work, but, but I think mentally you, you just you need a little bit of a refresher. Normally you get that on weekends with the games, and we hadn't had that, you know, quite as often this year. So it's uh, we've done some different things, especially here in the last seven or eight days, I think, that have, uh, you know, they've been good for our football team and put us in some good situations as far as practice and preparing. And so, um, you know, it – it is what it is, and uh, I, I, I still believe we've prepared well and still believe we will be very prepared going into this game. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Jason Kersey, The Athletic, and then Bob Crisbillo. Yeah, Lincoln, you, you've said many times that, that scheme wasn't important when you were hiring a D.C. a few years ago and that you wanted to change the culture. So when you were interviewing Alex, when you were considering him, what was his pitch to you about that? What did he, what did he say he was going to do to fix the culture? And then how did he set about doing it? Uh, when, I, when we first started having conversations, I honestly didn't tell him a whole lot about the situation here. I didn't really describe a whole lot about what I was looking for. I was just interested in, you know, all right, if you, you, know, if you come in here day one, you know, what, what does this look like, you know, from, from your perspective? And I just wanted to see – I wanted to see how that matched up with, you know, kind of what I had envisioned. And uh, as we started having those conversations and, and, you know, they were kind of wide-ranging from development of players to development of overall culture mentality, um, certainly the – you know, installing and, and kind of what we believe in scheme-wise, uh, it just – it fit. I mean, like, literally, I, 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 if I would have gone first and I would have been the one to describe everything I was looking for, it would have sounded very, very similar. And uh, so I knew – I knew that was a good start. And, uh, yeah, and then I think it's just been – you know, it's anytime something like that, it's just brick by brick. You know, it's, there's no magical moments. There's no moment where all of a sudden it's figured out and it's good. I mean, it's just a brick by brick, day by day type of mentality. And uh, there's been a lot of good moments. There's been a lot of tough moments in between. That's just the nature of, of, of taking on something like that. But I think, you know, our whole, our whole program is was – bought in from the beginning uh you know and I think you know I was bought in from the beginning the rest of our staff we hired you know coaches around Alex in the uh with the positions that were open that were guys that had worked with him in the past and guys that that had a very similar belief system and and so we we went all in with it I guess you'd say and we've been committed to it uh Alex all of us even when we've had a few of the tough moments, we ain't had many, but even in a few of the tough moments, we we've stuck stuck with it. Uh, our players have bought in and responded, and uh, and the good thing is, again, it's still not where it's still not where it's going to be. Uh, it's 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 a lot of great stuff right now. We're definitely climbing, but our it's it's going to get better too. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Go to Bob Prisbillo with Sooner Scoop, and then John Hoover. Yeah, Lincoln, when it comes to this year's signing day class, how often was name, image, likeness brought up either by you guys or by recruits and their families? Yeah, it was brought up. We we tried to be pretty forthcoming with our with our recruits and families about our, our plans for it. Um if it, you know, does go into effect like we all expect that it's going to. Um, you know, we were pretty forthcoming about that. Um and it's a balance, you know, it's you you want our message has been, which is kind of who we are, has been, 
you know, there's kind of two sides of this. Sure, we want every player that comes through here and does a good job and works hard and is a great member of this team and this university to have opportunities to capitalize on it. Of course we do. I mean, that's that's no different to me than being thrilled when a player gets drafted first overall or a player goes and gets that first great job in business or what whatever has it. You you want these guys to be successful and have opportunities. I mean, they they work hard, and that's some of the benefits that you get with this um, if you do it right. And so I, I don't view this any different, um, and we want to equip our guys to do that. But at the same time, we always want to make sure here that the team is first and, and, that, and players, families, everybody needs to understand we want you to have individual goals. We want you to have aspirations. We want you to have individual opportunities, no doubt. But if you'll do it within the framework of the team, then you are going to have more success individually. This team's going to have more success collectively. We're all going to be in it together, and then everybody's happy. And so uh, we've laid out a plan to, that we feel like to be able to accomplish both. And, uh, um, you know, it'll obviously be interesting as it comes up because it's going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that haven't been thought about that, that we're going to have to work through. But um, it's been, been certainly a, a topic, I mean, without a doubt. Uh, Hoover with SI Sooners and then Chandler Engelbrecht. Hey, Lincoln. Yesterday I asked you about the foundation that Matt Campbell and John Heacock and those guys have kind of laid there at Iowa State for defensively. Um, what about the talent that they have on the field, the, the, the players themselves? They might have four first-team all-conference guys. They probably have the player of the year. What makes them so good individually and what allows them to perform so well as a, as a team, as a unit? Um, yeah, no, they're, I mean, kind of what we said yesterday. I mean, that's good coaches. It's a good scheme. Uh, and it's a lot of good players that have played a lot of ball. I mean, uh, you know, getting the Bailey kid back for them was, was huge this year. You know, he's such a, you know, really good experienced players. I mean, you know, guys like him and the Eisworth and some of those guys, God, it feels like we've been playing against those same guys for, for like 10 years. Um, they've, and they're good players, man. They are. Rose, I mean, all those guys obviously are, are, are really, really good players. Um, got good players in secondary, linebackers everywhere. So, um, yeah, no, they, they, they have good talent. I mean, this isn't some Rudy story. I mean, this, this is not some, well, they're just, you know, finding a way with bad players. They have good players. I mean, and they have had good players. And uh, so, and that's obviously their credit. They've done a great job developing those guys. Uh, the players, have, you could tell, have, I'm sure have worked hard to, to be able to play at the level they have. And, and uh, so, I mean, I just think they do what other good units across the country do, combine good players, good scheme, and good coaches. And, and you're going to a lot of times have a good result. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Chandler Engelbrecht, OU Daily, and then Cliff Brunt. Hey, Coach. Um, this season, you guys have managed to do something that's completely unprecedented, and that's just play. Um, you talked about it earlier, but managing to get through almost an entire season with, with little to no COVID issues, just having the one cancellation is, in its own right, pretty impressive. What do you guys think, or what do you think is the biggest lesson your team has learned this season, and, and what allowed your team to persevered through this year yeah oh I'd say we've all learned quite a bit I mean just you know don't don't doubt what's possible um you know I think really the ultimate season and controlling what you can control um and then I think you know just appreciating the opportunities to to play and maybe something that at times we all take for granted that 
you know, this year we haven't. And uh, so whether it's a team being able to play an individual, um, not as it's it's. Uh, I don't know, it probably didn't hit me yet, maybe even not all our guys yet. I'm sure as this season wraps up and comes to a close, it, it will more. We're, we're kind of so much in the middle of it right now, and, um, you know, that that's the that's the main focus. But, yeah, well, I think when it's all said and done and we look back on it, it's – I mean, the fact that we've been able to play and even get even close to somewhat of a full season in, considering all the challenges, is pretty remarkable. Cliff Brunt, AP, and then Brandon Drum. Yeah, Coach, uh, how would you say Spencer Radler has improved since the early part of the season in terms of handling being pressured and in terms of being willing to use his legs to make plays, whether it's extending a play in the passing game or by occasionally taking off and running with the ball? Uh, yeah, he's – I mean, I think he's getting better. I mean, I – I saw PFF stat where I think he's the number one guy at the country at that. So, I mean, to be the number one guy in the country, it probably was pretty good most of the way. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's just, it's just such an overall deal for the quarterback. I mean, I, you know, I just, it, he is improving as we go. There's no question in my mind. He's seeing things better as we go, uh, without a doubt. I mean, making a lot of the improvements that I've, you know, expected that he would make um, and and growing each week and but he's got a he's he's always had a good feel for that. I mean, that's you know when pressure's coming and when he's got to make a play and under pressure when he's got to make a play outside the pocket. I mean, all that is uh, I think you know some of his strengths as a player and I think that's uh, just gotten better and better as the years been on. Brandon Drum, OU Insider, and then James Hale. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, you talked about signing day and just how difficult this recruiting process has been, not being able to get face-to-face -face with the players, only being able to talk through Zoom and stuff like that. Can you walk how difficult it is to pitch, not doing the normal handshakes, being able to see them when they come to the campuses and stuff like that? Just how hard has it been to get a player that has never seen you in person to buy into the Sooners program overall? Yeah, no, it certainly hadn't been easy for us or for those players. Uh, just because, you know, when, when guys come here and they get, and they see our place and they get around our people, uh, it does nothing but help. And uh, so not, not having that has been difficult. And it's you're trying to create things that normally are able to happen, happen in person. You're trying to recreate experiences. You're trying to recreate building – not really recreate, but build relationships in a different way. And uh, – I don't know. It's weird. It's almost like the it's almost like the deal with the team right now. I mean, everything's so different, and it's so different in recruiting that it, in a way, with your bond maybe with the parents and the players in a in a weird way is almost closer. In that, it's like, man, we're kind of like going through this together a little bit. We're at both agonizing on you not being able to be here and us not being able to be there. That I, you know maybe even more communication and maybe even that kind of bringing us together with a lot of these families and, and recruits. And we've been lucky. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Our, the class that we're signing, uh, these guys that are committed, these parents uh, that have, uh, you know, that have been a part, obviously, of this process as well have been unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't ask more of, of how good those people have been to, to work with and how understanding and flexible and open-minded they've been because they have – certainly made it a lot easier, made this class already very memorable. 
Okay, uh, a few more here, James Hale, KREF, and then Chase Goodbread. You know, Lincoln, uh, sometimes we forget about special teams, but they mean so much in games like this. At least you know you're going to have a dry field and, you know, that kind of thing. They think they're pretty good in special teams, too. You've been uh, good all year pretty much in special teams. Talk about your units and what you think you can get out of them on Saturday and how much of an advantage uh, do you have in special teams going into the game? Yeah, no, it's always important. I mean, it's games like this, championship games, they always seem to show up. Um, this one will be no different. Uh, you know, you go back to the first game. I mean, that was, you know, probably the single most influential play in the game was the long kickoff return after after uh, we had held them and I think gotten a turnover and then just scored. And so, um, no, they're, they're, they're going to be huge. I mean, without a doubt, you got two, you know, talented teams, two really good teams going at it. Uh, and obviously a chance for big plays on both sides because both both teams do have – both are very solid and also have explosive potential on, on kind of all the teams. So, no, I think that's, uh, you know, could you envision that being a differentiating factor? Absolutely. Thanks. Chase Goodbread, NFL.com, and then Barry Trammell. Coach, Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray are going to be going head-to-head on Sunday as the starters in the Eagles-Cardinals game. How would you describe what each of those guys had in terms of makeup to adjust to the NFL and put themselves in a position to start so early in their careers as pros. Oh yeah, I mean, one, yeah, it's gonna be exciting to watch those two go at it. Um, I, I can't lose, which that's a, that's a good feeling to be in. Um, so I'll have, uh, yeah, I have. Uh, it'll be definitely mixed emotions watching them go at it, but but really cool, really cool to see them get a chance. And uh, yeah, as far as their makeup, I mean, I think they're both confident guys, you know, and and who they are, and confident being able to go into any situation and 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 lead and play well, play at a high level. Uh, I, I think they both have that. Uh, they're both obviously, you know, two very skilled football players. And then I think it helps, you know, the fact they've been in a program like this with the, the, the amount of eyes on it, the expectations, playing, you know, great competition, playing in the biggest and best games in college football becoming, you know, which is kind of the norm here. Um, I think the experience of not only playing quarterback at an elite Division one, you know, university uh, and football program, but also more than that, playing quarterback at Oklahoma is a little different. And... Uh, uh, I think all those things combined have, you know, helped them as players and challenges they've had to face here. And I think gets them ready for the challenges that they're, you know, currently facing right now. Thank you. You're welcome. Trammell, the Oklahoman. Yeah, Lincoln, uh, playoff is perhaps out of your reach. You'd need a lot of help probably to get there now. But you got a chance to win the Big 12 for the sixth straight time. How much pride do you take? in that five-year run and how much does it mean to the program to to keep that domination of the conference going oh oh, it means it means a lot i mean i you know kind of came in here on the ground floor of that and and um i said i remember at the time coming in not not totally knowing you know the what the rest of the league and all that as as well as i did but i remember thinking that you know, it's going to be a big climb to go get one of these right now. Um, and, you know, we were able to do it that first year with, with Coach Stoops leading the way, and we've been able to get on a pretty good run since then. And and so, yeah, I, I just 
I, I do take pride in it. I mean, certainly it's a huge accomplishment. It, I mean, there's a reason why it hadn't happened in major college football, but, you know, very often. I mean, it's just so hard to do and do it that consistently. And I guess just consistently putting yourself in those opportunities where you've got a chance to be good enough to be in that game and to to win those games and, and to have those opportunities for championships and playoff and national championships and all that, you just – you know, to me, you just always want to be in the picture, and we've been able to do it with a lot of different teams, a lot of different ways, uh, different strengths. So, no, it is. It's, uh, you know, and then I just think coaching here, you just, man, you love being in these games. I mean, these games are these games are awesome, man. I mean, that's it, because you don't even know that you're going to get them. There's, no, there's not a guarantee in any year that you're going to get this game and, uh, and the opportunity that comes along with it. So I, I love them. I, I relish these kind of games. Um, yeah, and it certainly means a lot. Hey, Coach, do you have time for one more? Sure. Okay, we'll go to Keegan Renault, Sooners Wire. Yeah, Lincoln, Jaden Hazelwood got to come back and then missed a game. Obviously, we don't know the reasons why for that, but did it kind of delay his time getting back into the rhythm of the offense? And how do you feel like he's getting back into it? Yeah, no, I did. I mean, it, it no, no really way around that. I mean, you – you don't have spring ball for him. You don't have training camp. You don't have first couple months of the season. All of a sudden, you're thrust back into it. I mean, you know, he needs he needs every single day right now, and he's getting better quickly. He's he's everything about him is getting better quickly. But every day is important, and so yeah, all of a sudden to not have him for you know well over a week there was, uh, you know, uh, that's it. It, it, it delayed the process. I wouldn't say a step back, but it just obviously delayed the process of him growing as a player and, and getting closer and closer to, to full strength. So, um, but yeah, it's been good to have him back now. He's, you know, getting better and better. And, and you know, no doubt you can see the progress each and every day. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.